Welcome back to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, episode 30. In this episode, Mike, Chris, and myself are joined by our good friend, Father Steve Marsh, via web call to discuss the traditional feast of Christ the King, why there is no reasonable hope that all men will be saved, and how to care for people who have recently experienced the death of a loved one. In light of the upcoming Feast of All Souls, we also share a couple of good Catholic ghost stories. So come on in, pull up a chair, pour yourself a drink, and join us at the podcast table. All right, welcome to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, episode 30. 30? Isn't this 30? Uh, Our podcast is old now, officially. Wow. Just like us. Just like us. I'm 30. Hi, 30. I'm dad. That joke is so old, man. Father Steve is also joining us on the podcast today. Yep. <laughs> Say hi, hey, Father how's Steve. how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> what is up, my dude? Hi, Father Steve. <laughs> hi. Happy. I wish I could see the rest of you guys. Uh, hold on. You, oh. No, you don't. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, don't do it. Uh, uh, oh, kind of. Uh, yeah, it's a little better. Anyways, there we ha- are. happy traditional uh, Feast of Christ the King, Father Steve. Yep. Yeah. Or shall we say 30th Sunday in ordi- ordinary time? That sounds so boring. I'm sorry. It does. What, what? More like ordinary <laughs> time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Ordinary my friend? time is the stuff of life. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you, our good friend? I'm doing great. Yeah? Yeah, things are awesome here. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been an interesting and busy day, but we're, um, we finally we have an extra mass, and so we just had that today, and it, was, it went good. That's yeah. awesome. Over 100 people show up. Hey. Wow. Yeah. It's the, it's, the, it's the sinner's mass, right? Last chance mass. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Nice. Good stuff. Well, welcome back to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, my friend. We're glad. Thanks, bye. We're glad to have you. And, uh, you know, just wanted to double check. um, How are things going with the Luminous Mysteries? You still praying them or? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty sure that was the last podcast you were on. One hour later. One hour later. Advocate oh, for the man. luminous. Oh my god. That was like the longest diversion of conversation. <laughs> it was the, the whole podcast. I, was like, I don't really Yeah, I was like, I don't really that wasn't supposed to be the topic though. We never even touched yeah. on the actual topic we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Just sidelined with talking about Pope John Paul II and luminous mysteries and stuff. And I was like, I don't I'm not really that invested in this subject. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. Anyways, yeah, so we wanted to bring Father Steve on the podcast, where today our topic is funerals are not canonizations, and no, um, we're going we're gonna to get into that spicy topic uh, momentarily, but... Uh, we're pretty yeah. sure y'all know what we mean by that. Well, you if may it, not, so... Maybe not, but... Um, but a lot we wanted, of funerals. We wanted to potentially give tips on how you can approach things uh now that we're coming up into the month of all souls in november yeah um to be able to deal with those questions uh, no i think we should be calling it the month of all saints since we're talking about canonizations uh, we're, we're talking about both though 
<laughs> you missed that you were saying that because the canonizing. I'm making a joke. It's okay. okay. Never mind. That was a good joke. <laughs> Rigid well trads don't get jokes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't make judging. any more jokes on this podcast, Father Steve. <laughs> we have you, no you, sense of humor. You've are, you've already called me rigid once today. <laughs> 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 we actually got to hang out with Father Steve earlier for um, a few minutes on our on our way back from we we attended a pontifical high mass with mm-hmm. uh, his eminence, his awesomeness. Cardinal Raymond Burke, um, the Prefect Emeritus of the Apostolic Signatura. Wow. I'm impressed you remembered all that. Yeah, he's he is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, happy yeah. birthday, buddy. Happy birthday. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah. So we so we thought we could like maybe quickly talk about how cool that was. Yeah, so let's start with the I'm going to butcher the Latin, but Kappa Mania. Kappa Mania. Yeah. Yep. The, the cape worn by, uh, well, it's Cardinals, right? In particular, they, yeah. get, they get to wear the Kappa Mania. Um, I dude, assume because it's, it's a big red cape. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. A huge cape. Yeah. It, it like engulfs Cardinal Burke. Yeah. When they put it on him. Yeah, it does. Also, we have our dogs here joining us today. I apologize if anybody hears our dogs in the background. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah, yeah we I mean, went my... there hoping to see the Kappa Mania, and we were so excited because yeah. it's like the most rigid trad thing ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's... All these rituals and special vesting. Yeah, we wanted we wanted and... to talk about that, too, and hopefully we can get maybe Father Steve's thoughts on this yeah. as well. So on how rituals are couple, meaningful and that, you know, when you have a ritual, you should consider what the symbolism of what you're doing entails. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. a good point. But, yeah. but, 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 but also the fact that one of, one of the uh, attacks that we see a lot online from a lot of yeah. more liberal minded people towards people like Cardinal Burke is mm-hmm. um, they, they essentially call him a closet homosexual because he likes the regalia of of the church, so he will wear a kappa mania. He will. Uh, he has no problem wearing the uh, the cape with the fur, with the fur, with the fur. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or you know, letting the faithful kiss his ring. Yeah. Like oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. So you know, you know what this is. This is the same. This is people who are uncomfortable with their own sexuality. Mm. that's really what it comes down to it's just the same as like when people would say wearing the cassock is they call it a dress and they say oh you know you're, oh, you're trying to be pretty wearing a dress and stuff like this and you go are you like are you uncomfortable with wearing a robe like is, is it is it that anything that remotely makes you like just because it's unfamiliar to you and not normal to you that it instantly means that there's something wrong with it. And so you're just so uncomfortable in your own skin that putting on something like this must mean that therefore, you know, you must be a homosexual. Yeah. Like even when people look at, I think it's like comparable to uh, uh, people who look at say David and Jonathan in, in the old Testament and say, Oh, well they were two guys who are really close friends. 
they must have been, you know, up to other biz because <laughs> yeah. there's no way, there's no way they could just be friends. Mm, yeah. And the fact that like when people get so uncomfortable over things like that, that we can't just like, you can't, you can't just t- talk about like normal, healthy things. The fact that the church has, uh, there's been dress like this in the church for a long time. It's not like it's a new recent invention. People have been wearing this stuff for a long time. So it's, it's just because certain people feel personally uncomfortable with it. And so to make themselves feel better about it, they try to make it like there's something, there's a little poofiness about it and foofera that they're yeah. trying to make homosexual yeah. connotations. And I totally stuff. buy that that's at least sometimes the case yeah. with these people. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about a couple of peripheral issues to that uh, yeah. on the way. Yeah, um, with regards to the um, the recent thing of the Pact of the Catacombs, that was mm-hmm. like a renewal oh, yeah. of the Pact of the Catacombs done uh, at the close of the Second Vatican Council. They they renewed the Pact of the Catacombs. Uh, this bunch of Latin American bishops did. Um, in Rome. Uh, what was the Pact of the Catacombs? Well, I mean, the Pact of the Catacombs, there, there was a, a lot to it, but I mean, they say that their end goal was to make a return to more of a poor church. And so they wanted to do away with the regalia of the church. They wanted to get away with, or uh, do away with the, you know, ornate vestments and the ornate vessels. They wanted to get, they wanted to do away with the, um, the titles, Monsignor, Your Holiness, Your Eminence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it it's so interesting because Mike and I were, were talking about this in particular, that for us as men, like seeing the Kappa, a, a, a cardinal dressed in the Kapamania only like emboldens us in our masculinity. It makes us want to be better men. Mm-hmm. Um because we know like people like Cardinal Burke are really good men, you know? Yeah, they're not mm-hmm. perfect, okay? But we know that, you know, like these things of the church that we've had for centuries were signs of strength and because it pointed to the one priesthood of Christ, you know? Mm-hmm. I was going to say that I, I think that... Um... I mean, apart from maybe like the the people who are trying to go to like a simpler version of things, I don't think that those would be the kind of people who would try and say that um, dressing in that kind of a way is 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 indicative of homosexuality or something, because their focus would be more on trying to be poor and trying to be simple. And I do hear from people, priests will say like, you know, the the titles. And the pomp and circumstance and the, you know, and the regalia and all of that is, um, prideful. They might say that, or they might say that it's just too, it's too much and we need to be simpler. We need to be humbler or other things like that. Uh, but to make, to, to me, to make a comment about trying to tie in homosexuality to it sounds to me like a false sense of machismo, <laughs> like just trying to be, uh, you know, like, Another example I was just thinking of is say like Gaudete or Uletare Sunday and you're wearing rose vestments 
And there's always like a few people who are like, Oh, you, you're wearing pink and the heat you know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's just yeah. the funny, and you're like, what? There's nothing wrong with this. Like, why, why is that such a, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's purely because you've got this idea in your head that it's, it, it can't be done, you know? And like, just wear, like, it's fine. It's not the big deal, but there's a lot of priests who are supremely uncomfortable. Yeah, with wearing rose vestments, mm-hmm. but because and it's they a will girl's avoid it at color. all costs, and and then they'll make fun of people who are wearing it. So, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. it's to to me, it's the it's the feeling that people thinking that you have to be that way to be a man, instead yeah. of that really being a man is you're just comfortable in your own skin. You're not bothered by these things. So, right, right. Now, yeah, here's a question: Would you be comfortable in a capamania? Uh, I'd ha- want to be a cardinal first. Yeah, but the bigger question would be: Would I be comfortable being a cardinal? If you were a cardinal, I'm sure I'd be would comfortable you be comfortable even with- being a bishop? <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite happy just in my little my little place down here in Leamington. Just leave me here. <laughs> now, I guess no, before the, we move the dressing, on, the dressing like that, I would have no issue. I think it would be kind of cool, but um, it's like a I'm, Superman cape. It ha- to me, it has more to do with the office. I just don't want that work. Yeah, and yeah. that's a kind of important thing that the the dress relates to the office rather than the man, right? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's one of the errors that people. It's subtle. But when people think it's prideful to dress like that, I think it's because, you know, they're thinking if I dress like that, that means I'm giving honor to myself rather than really it's honoring the church and the position that they humbly serve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being humble enough to be okay with that. It's the same reason why, like, you have a guy be like, no, no, don't call me father. Call me Randy. You know, like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, just the same it's thing. It's false humility. Like, I think yeah, it's really false humility. Try to avoid those kinds of things. Sorry. Go ahead, Julie. Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying I think it's false humility. Like, when it's like, no, don't yeah. call me this. Call me this instead. Like, there is a particular office that you have. Mm-hmm. And it's about Christ. It's not Well, Exactly. Him. Yeah. You know, I mean, not ex- entirely the same thing, but it's like, say, as a married person, when it's like, oh, it's now Mrs. Mm-hmm. and not Miss, like, there is still that, like, I am married that is tied to that. Even say, if someone would were to call me, oh, Mrs. Pinnegar, like, mm-hmm. yeah, that can be a little weird, just because not a lot of people will say that, but to accept that like okay you're recognizing this thing about me another I, thing it's that, important another example that might cut even closer is something like a wedding ring right yeah like if you were to say i don't want to be prideful so i'm not going to wear this ring in public anymore yeah it's kind of similar right like that anything that denotes you who know you are and that status kind of, about you it's a little different, yeah. but like, yeah. But the general this, idea is it, there. It's interesting too because the, like the titles that that you know people with orders in the church receive, right? Like father, and then bishop, or mm-hmm. you know your your excellency, your eminence, you know your holiness. All of these titles are in fact not something like, for example, 
a person goes to school and studies to be a doctor. They they get all the right grades. They they complete the job, and they get the title. Well done. You you know you've made it. Here's here's your you know your MD. You're yeah. you're a doctor now. Yeah. But when it comes to yeah. things like the because it's orders, an honorary title. Right, yes. but like, but father, excellency, you know, all these, you know, mm-hmm. um, things are bestowed upon somebody mm-hmm. as yeah. as a, as an invitation of Christ through the church, right? And it's it's not because of necessarily. I mean, yes, you've done the work behind it, but I mean, a person can go and get their licentiate and never be a bishop. Yeah, you know what I mean. A person can. You know, get all the all the degrees in the world that they ever wanted, and never, mm-hmm. you know, and never become ordained, even. Yeah. You know, so I mean, again, it's a gift of Christ given through the church. Yep. You know, I just thought of what might be a better kind of comparison would be to, um, you know, if a if a dad and his children are calling him dad or papa or daddy or whatever, and he says, no, 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 call me Randy. You could be like, I don't know why I keep bringing Randy. Randy. <laughs> yeah. What do you have against Randy? Just, yeah. like Father Steve likes that better. Call me Randy. Don't call me Father Steve. Call me Randy. <laughs> but yeah, but like for 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 a father, I mean that's really it's pointing to your identity, and so you 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 wouldn't say to your own children, "Don't call me by that name," because that's who you are to them, and yeah. a priest in a very real way, is a spiritual father to the people. So for people to call him father, they're acknowledging that he has that role. And for him to deny that, I think also contributes to why there's a loss of uh, fatherhood in the priesthood. That yeah. uh, priests have yeah, kind of good point. pushed themselves away from, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not there to spiritually give, you know, uh, to, to spiritually raise and to rear children. Uh, to, you know, one through baptism to, you know, bring them to eternal life and then to like raise them in the faith and nourish them and lead them and guide them as a, a father raises his kids. Um, it's more of a, you know, like we're buddies. We're just pals and we're all equals. Like it's, it's like the parent who says, doesn't discipline their children, but just says like, you know, we got to be friends. We got to be, you know, you're not, you're not like that with your kids. Like you have to, you have to lead them. You have to teach them. You have to raise them. And if you don't, if you try to put yourselves, um, it doesn't mean you don't have equal dignity and value as human beings, but you need to take on that role of the parent. Yeah, definitely. And, great point. Yeah. <laughs> I like what you said like, about the like being called dad. It's not, if my daughter calls me dad, it's not, to honor me that I teach her to do that. It's yeah. for her sake, right? To uh, mm-hmm. So she can feel the comfort of having a dad and, you know, the security yeah. and to know that relationship exists. And it's kind of the same with yeah. the relationship of the faithful and the priest, even with these external mm-hmm. signs like the vestments. It's really for the sake of the faithful that a priest dresses like that, not for himself. True. So, um, I know we kind of moved off from this subject a little bit, but when you're talking about like uh, kissing the ring and that sort of thing, um, like I've even found that, you know, parishioners will sometimes want to kiss my hand. And it's, uh, um, to, it's, it's interesting because like I've seen 
some priests recoil from that and react like, you know, what are you doing? Like, why, why would you do that to me? You know, that's not, that's not, that's not, you know, the kind of relationship here or anything like that. Um, and to me, it's always felt very humbling because I realize I never for a moment think they're kissing my hand. Like I never feel like it's, they're trying to show me in particular reverence or honor or anything like that. I recognize they're looking at me as a priest yeah. and it's their love for the priesthood. It's their love for Christ. So, I mean, it's never been awkward. It's never been weird. It's just been, okay, that's what they want to do. And this is their way that they're honoring Christ. And, you know, then I move on and I'm shaking other people's hands. Some people want hugs and whatever, and just everyone does something different. And it's not, uh, you know, a lot of those things I think are only weird and strange if you make them weird and strange. Um, which kind of going along with that whole subject of what Mike was about to bring up about, uh, you know, what masculinity really is. I think a lot of it is, is being, uh, comfortable with yourself, you know, and acknowledging who is God and who you are in relationship to that. And not trying, not thinking you have to uh, prove anything, not thinking you have to measure, measure up or uh, show somehow, you know, what, where, you know, find out how, what's adequate or not. And you just, you, you just love. And it's not, uh, and there's nothing weird about that. Like, yeah. that's one of my favorite things about um, in the extraordinary form on Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. There's, distribution of the palms we don't just Mm -hmm. go to the back of the church and grab them and priest comes and does a blessing but they're still blessed but then we all go up and receive the the palm or yeah we receive the palm from the priest but we kiss his hand first and then we take the palm and it is so moving and makes me cry like almost every time just Again, be- because of exactly that. Like, I'm not kissing the hand of the priest. I'm kissing the hand of Christ. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, the significance of it is so huge. Yeah. You know. That, that's a good segue because today, after after the, the Mass for Christ the King, um, Cardinal Burke was outside and um, people lined up to to greet him and the customary way that you greet a cardinal is you kneel and kiss the ring of of, of the cardinal and um yeah so mike got to do that for his first time yeah and uh yeah chris yeah. and i have done that before with, with cardinal, cardinal burke. burke yeah yeah but we but yeah it it's it's an amazing experience isn't it it's neat yeah it's crazy to think that like we're so lucky in our time to be able to meet a lot of it, like figures in the church like this. Yeah. Catholics throughout history would like most of the time never see a cardinal, right? That would be almost unheard of. So it was kind of interesting, but also I've seen um, a few out during the winter. Yeah. Yeah. I see those all the time in my backyard. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just carry on. <laughs> Act like I'm not here. Oh, <laughs> Where was I going with this? Yeah, like, like yeah, like people didn't get to 
really experience cardinals and, and prelates in the church. Yeah, in, I just count myself times. lucky to be able to see something like a pontifical high mass and to mm-hmm. be able to see a cardinal face to face and kind of honor that aspect of the church through him. Yeah. And hand to face. Yeah. There's most, a- <laughs> most Catholics never got the chance to to experience any of that. So Yeah. yeah. I mean we basically already said it, but um there was something I found online just kinda summarized exactly that point but it said the like kissing the ring of a cardinal or the pope or a bishop um it says the traditional way whereby one greets a bishop is by kneeling in front of him and kissing his ecclesiastical ring this ring symbolizes the authority entrusted by the vicar of christ kissing the ecclesiastical ring of the pope bishop or cardinal is an act of veneration for the sacred ministry entrusted to them so yeah I don't know. Again, exactly. Recognition what of the office. Right? Exactly. Not the man. It's the office, not the man. Exactly. And the the one thing that our that one of our friends on uh, our Facebook page asked was, you know, he's not he's not a king. You know, why why honor him in that way? And Mike made a very valid point. He's not a king, but he's a prince. You know, he's a prince of the church. Yeah. Right. So I mean, we're it's it's still a royal. It's still a part of that royal priesthood of Christ in a way, you know. Like and, besides, Christ is our king. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it should be honored and and respected and. And that's more really the reason more than my kind of knee jerk answer. Yeah. Is that we're honoring mm-hmm. the church and honoring Christ, the King. Exactly. Yeah. And how more how appropriate, especially. On the feast of Christ on the, the feast King. Of Christ the King. Yeah. yeah. Anything we can do to to honor Christ the King on his feast yeah. day. Yeah. Speaking of that, during the, the Mass after the homily, Cardinal Burke had the congregation prayed the consecration to co- to Christ the King. It was actually Ooh. um it's a consecration to the Sacred Heart. Oh, okay. It was I looked it up after. It's called the consecration of the entire human race to the sacred heart of jesus yeah solid it actually one of the things it said was incredibly apt oh yes for this current time because it kind of goes through the people of the world in categories but it begins with idolaters right Mm -hmm. which actually did you guys hear they didn't actually bring out the pachamamas at uh, at the mass we did hear that, but yeah. but there's there's some controversy now, eh? Did you hear about <laughs> there's controversy in the church? Yeah. Shop? <laughs> <laughs> so there's they did this weird thing. They brought out a potted plant at the head of their procession, like before yeah. the crucifix and everything, and handed it to Pope Francis, and he had it up on the altar. People are saying like this plant in a pot is basically a stealth reference to pachamama without having the actual idol there because it's mother earth and yeah and she oh no i get it i'm yeah. just sighing from the depths of my soul <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah and like if you look at the wikipedia page or whatever on like pachamama or whatever it even kind of talks about a potted a thing of dirt, a, a bowl with dirt in it, 
representing Pachamama. <laughs> it's it's a like a bowl with dirt, with dirt in, it. in it. I yes. call it Pachamama. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't understand that joke. That's a Brian Regan reference. Mm-hmm. It's like a cup with dirt in it. Just put an F on there and let me go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, just wanted to briefly also just mention the fact of like, oh, can I say one more thing about the consecration? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, you. yeah. Let's do um, you can find the consecration prayer on our Facebook. We posted about it. Yeah, and yeah. there's a plenary indulgence attached to praying it. Yeah, praying so it today pray though. It. So, right? It's you have to pray it on the feast of Christ the King. I don't. Think to get you the do indulgence? I'd have to double check, but I don't think so because it's not a specifically a Christ the King. Prayer, I don't know. I Maybe it, I'm I thought wrong. it was. I, I thought it applied to Christ the King, and people. then obviously the um, the regular like indulgence. Just add those details to the Facebook page or whatever. Yeah, yeah. We'll double check and put it in the show notes. Yeah, the good point. Indulgence too. details. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. go on to your next. And point. of course, the the usual conditions also apply. Yeah. Uh, also, if if you need confession, we know a guy. Receiving communion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, you, Mike, and I were kind of talking about the um, masculinity thing. What were we? What oh, yeah. we were talking about? <laughs> it was kind of just a funny contrast about uh, going back to how. People uh, call things like having close male friends and dressing in mm. like liturgical regalia, homosexual or whatever, or unmanly. But our society has a twisted view of what's manly. So, you know, things like indulging yourself, you know, getting drunk and being promiscuous and not controlling your anger or you know wasting your time playing your your passions all of that stuff is what's considered manly when really it's weak and unmanly Mm -hmm. yep absolutely it is actually rooted deeply in the vice of effeminacy which Mm -hmm. is uh a a topic that we yeah had i feel like we always have to clarify that it doesn't mean feminine yeah it actually is the opposite of being truly masculine or feminine it's yeah. just being weak mm-hmm. and vicious if you want to know more about that topic we had we did a podcast in season one called how to raise a man yeah. uh, discussing father ripperger's um talk on that and uh yeah if you want more information about that check that out but yeah um one other thing i guess before we move on to the main topic you guys had mentioned about talking the about the miracle of that Weeping chalice icon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I so got, I got I got a bunch of the oil in my room. Oh, know? I didn't know that. That's okay. great. Yeah. So, so when I went there, they got had a bunch of Q-tips and they put oil in these little Ziploc bags, and so I got a whole bunch of them. I, I actually meant to give you guys some, but I forgot. Ah. Uh, so so I for anybody who's so so for anybody who's not listening or ha- it's not familiar. So for anyone who's not listening. <laughs> can't tell what's going on right now. <laughs> like we can say whatever we want about you. <laughs> um, no, but uh, in in our diocese in the city of Windsor, um, I don't know, a couple months ago, 
an Eastern Rite parish, right? It's not it's mm-hmm. not Maronite, right? It's uh no, it's just it's, uh, it's Eastern it Rite. There's there's an icon wall, isn't there? Wait, is it Chaldean? I think it's Chaldean. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, it, it's a, it's an one of the Eastern rites. Yeah. yeah. So, um, they had a they have a an icon, um, known as the inexhaustible cup or in, chalice. inexhaustible chalice. Inexhaustible chalice. And uh, it's a icon that shows Our Lady and then a chalice in front of her, and then the child Jesus is in the cup, uh, in the chalice. So it started exuding fragrant oil. oil. Yeah. Um, or what they're assuming nowhere. is oil. It hasn't. They're still testing it to see what exactly it is. Oh, really? So yeah. Um, but Father Steve, you and I were talking about this when it mm-hmm. kind of first happened. I don't know if you remember this. And you, you and I were saying how, like, when you see these kind of miracles in the church, normally it's kind of a sign of there's some sort of bad thing about to occur. Do you remember? Yeah, there's, well, there's usually the Lord is trying to say something. Yeah. And so, you know, God doesn't just do a miracle and just be like, this is just for fun. It's to make, it's to draw our attention to something. So there's usually a message that accompanies it in some way mm-hmm. um, of what, what the Lord wants to do. And the fact that like something as significant as this, like as a, as, as big a miracle as this, um, cause it was for like seven days straight. Yeah. It was constantly and dripping like it was just pouring oil and oil. just pouring down. And there's videos on, on Facebook and stuff that you can watch that they took. And, uh, yeah, people would just come in and it was just this nonstop oil. And it, uh, um, I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> well, but, but yeah, long, the long and short of it is that there was this miracle happening. Father Steve and I were talking about it being like, you know, sometimes you see this occurring and it's kind of a sign that, you know, there might be something bad that's going to occur. And I have a theory that I came up with just today. Do you want I to think it's it? a great theory. It. it makes a lot of sense, actually. So it started pouring oil right before mm-hmm. the Amazon Synod. And the Amazon Synod, we've seen um, incredible attacks on the priesthood of our Lord. Um, and anytime that, uh, the priesthood is attacked, our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament is attacked. Um, and so I think this was pointing to the reality of the, the Amazon Synod was about to attack the priesthood. I don't know. I, that's my theory. Um, mm. I don't know. I, I mean, the, the, the only reason I would, I would think that it's not necessarily related to that is that there was no specific message given in that regard no, i'm just i'm just um, applying my own personal my own personal magisterium oh, no here. i know but i'm, I'm <laughs> a miracle will point to like who is who is the audience so right now the audience is primarily windsor and area mm-hmm. um and nothing has been said like in a more public larger scale sort of thing so if the Lord was trying to make a point about the Amazon and make a miracle in that regard, I would think it would happen in the Amazon. In the Amazon. Or it would happen with people involved with the Amazon, something in connected Rome to that. Otherwise, it's just, yeah. here's a little small town Windsor. No one has any idea in the rest of the world that this is even happening. 
Yeah. So it doesn't speak to that situation. The Lord would make it speak to that situation. Right. Not that yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not a fair and interesting point. I just, and I'm, you know, I mean, I have issues with things going on in the synod. <laughs> yeah. Just in a general sense, but uh, I don't think that this particularly is pointing to that. Yeah. I think it's, it's more pointing to, um, uh, a need for, um, well, one thing I think that like people struggling with addiction, because like, did you hear the whole thing about that? Uh, the, the, the guy who, so the priest told me there, um, how they got this image initially. What had happened was he, um, the, the original, I can't remember well, where it was that the original was in, in, uh, another, in another Eastern church. I was in Russia, I think, or something like that was the original. Um, and they really liked this image. And so there was a, uh, they commissioned having it, uh, a new, a copy of it done. So this copy was made. And apparently the guy who made the copy as he, cause as you pray through when you're making an icon, um, as he was praying through it, uh, he was struggling really hard with some kind of addiction. I can't remember what it was, but, uh, after he completed the icon, he was killed of his addiction. Nice. And, uh, and then, so then he gave this, uh, icon to the church and they were sitting on it for a while because they were waiting for an opportunity to display it publicly. And it was, uh, on the feast of, was it the assumption? Was that, was that around? In the, yeah. I, I looked, remember my yeah, dates. Like I feel, Article say August. Still so long ago at the same time. Yeah. yeah so around the Feast of the Assumption. So they were planning to like present it at that time. And uh, so when they brought it out, they were like getting it ready to display. And then all of a sudden they walked over and found that it had already been like exuding this oil. And so they were like, did somebody mess with this? What was going on? And then anyway, and that's when more of the oil came out. And uh, yeah. So anyway, I think, I think like part of the meaning behind that is that it's, it's it's a it's a pouring out to pray for uh those who are struggling with addictions uh to help them through that um and i mean there's also i think the connections with the priesthood and whatnot because Mm of the oil and jesus and the chalice of course those are all priestly signs so yeah i definitely agree on that awesome yeah so so you agree with my personal magisterium Thank you. Thank you. I I subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So Well do we uh, want to get on to the main (laughs) Yeah, let's let's get on to the main topic. So Yeah, sure. Speaking of churches. Um Funerals are not canonizations. Yeah. That's what? They're not? Well All souls don't go to heaven. Welcome, Mike. (gasps) What about dog souls? (laughs) Um 75 years later. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so this is kind of this topic. We actually wrote it this past summer when we were discussing potential um, podcast topics for the future. And uh, Mm -hmm. this past summer, we dealt with a friend of ours, grandmother, passed away. And uh, at the funeral, the priest gets up and basically says what a great woman she was she always prayed her rosary and things like that so we're just really grateful that she's in heaven now 
and experiencing oh, the joys of heaven. Oh, he said that heaven. directly. Yeah, in the homily. We've heard this before in oh, other homilies. Like, this is not just an exclusive wow. one-time occurrence. Like, yeah. we've heard this before. This not is cool. kind of what people are used to with funerals these days. Oh, right? yeah. They were There's very no, nice. Uh, we're so glad they're in heaven. There's no pray for this well, person's soul generally. It's celebrate that they're in heaven. <laughs> and be I've, like them. I've celebrated Great. like hundreds of funerals and I've I've never heard that preached. Yeah, because you've been the preacher. <laughs> See, it depends on the priest, largely. So, so yeah, I mean, like we're coming in, we're coming into November first, November second. Um, you know, the the feast of all souls, um, and of all saints, and of all saints, and like when it comes to the topic of dealing with death, like we just had a friend of ours just pass away. Um, just recently too and and other family members even in the past like three years yeah we've had a new a number of family members pass away and generally the priest that has said the mass has been a traditional priest so we haven't had to worry per se about that but yeah as a priest how do you deal with that like because i know like you know, you want to be able to console those who are grieving, those who are going mm-hmm. through the loss of their loved ones. But how do you how do you still reach out to them and help them in their grief, but still be able to preach the truth? When we have family members too, like that, people will respond like that, like, "Oh, I'm so glad they're in they're in heaven now. They're in a better place." <laughs> a better You're like, place. "Yeah, you don't know that." Maybe you should pray for them. Oh, wait, you don't pray. Never mind. Ouch. But it's true. <laughs> I don't know. It's true. just got burned, like, but they really just got burned. You talk there. about, like, it, it happens with comments from family members all the time, especially maybe that their faith is not there or it's not as strong. You know, I know this is pretty common as well, but people will, I don't know, maybe it's like a self-soothing kind of mechanism, but... Totally. How do you respond to that as well? You know, totally. It's like so, part of the therapeutic <laughs> deism yeah. kind of thing. They're in heaven now. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. It's but a, we don't know. It's it's a false kind of consolation. Um, mm-hmm. The thing is, it's it's really not that difficult to help console people when they're going through grief. Um, in terms of just speak about Jesus. Like that's, and that's really what is prescribed even for funerals, uh, that what you're supposed to preach about is the resurrection. So you're talking about, and, and not the resurrection in terms of just the resurrection of the dead, but to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. So you talk about who he is. You talk about how he loves us. You talk about, uh, what he has called us to. Um, and, and I mean, I've always found like people are very, uh, uh, pleased and they respond very well. And I've never really run into issues of people being like, I need to, I need to know, are they in heaven? Like, are, are you got to tell me like, you see that hope, you see that desire. Um, but I encourage people to pray, like pray for their souls. Um, I think it's one thing if you, you know, you don't want to be un- untactful to say like, you know, just go up to someone and be like, you have no idea where you're, family might member might be they could be in hell right now 
<laughs> like you don't want to <laughs> say something like that. The, we, we, we operate on a basis of Christian hope that those who have died in Christ will be raised in him. And so we presume that, um, you know, if, if anyone who has died in Christ will live in him. So we just, we, we presume to pray. Uh, worst case scenario, of course, is that you're praying for someone who is already in hell. What can you do? I mean, it's not like there's anything you can do about that. And it's not like bringing that up or trying to prove it in some way is going to accomplish anything. So instead, the answer is always pray. And the Lord will use those prayers for whoever needs it. Um, but uh, the, the real important thing I find is talking about how Jesus is with you in your suffering. Because that's the, the, the biggest thing of, of people's grief is they're struggling with the loss. Um, people who are really fighting over and worried about is this person in heaven or not um, would be more, you know, they're, they're, they, they, you know, they want that, that they have a better understanding of theology to begin with. So they're not presuming they're in heaven, uh, and they're hoping for it. So you say, let's pray. And then, you know, that's why we're offering this mass. We're offering this mass for their soul. We're going to continue to pray for their soul, offer more masses for their soul, offer up rosaries and chaplets and whatnot for their soul. And that I think, you know, when it comes down to a person's really struggling of how do I know what you say, just, Keep praying until the Lord gives you a good sense of peace of knowing that the, the prayer that he wanted you to do is complete. How, uh, how, can, how can you trust that feeling, though? Well, the thing is, if you don't, people, I, I find people tell all kinds of interesting stories that seem to come up, that situations seem to come up where a person suddenly is like, things just happen. Sometimes almost even supernatural-ish things happen where um, it seems to be that the Lord is giving them a confirmation to be able to be at peace. Um, but I think that as with most things, when God wants you to know something, he tells you. Um, and, and I think we need to trust that the Lord will make known what we need to have known. And if you're genuinely uncertain, and if you're genuinely like, I don't know, I have no idea, keep praying. I mean, it's that easy. I mean, there's, and there's no harm ever done in continuing to pray. Uh, but more so for the sake of your own sanity and consolation. Like if you're really worried and struggling over someone, you know, you want to ask God for that sense of peace. And I mean, that peace could mean anything. I mean, that peace might just mean that the Lord says you're, you've, done enough with your prayers like i have i honestly have no idea like what would happen like what if someone was actually in hell um and you're praying for them like how does god respond to you i don't know because mm. i have no way of confirming <laughs> yeah. i but I, i've heard a theory on that but like yeah. the theory that i've heard is especially for for those of us who are consecrated um to to mary um that she takes those prayers that we say for those souls and reapplies them as she sees fit because every single prayer is her property. Well, of course. And that's yeah. what I was saying is that even the, the Lord will use those prayers and redirect them as needed. That's why there's never any harm to pray for someone. Yeah. Like you do no harm. Even if someone's in hell, you do no harm praying for them. 
because then the Lord will just use those prayers for someone else. Right. Right. Also, but I meant more like, how do you, how do you come to a sense of peace within of knowing that, you know, what if somebody's in hell? Well, I mean, I think the Lord just kind of lets you to be at rest to see that all things are according to his will. And so, I mean, if somebody has truly rejected him, there's really nothing that can be done. I mean, it's sad and it's, and it's tragic, but, um, and that's again where it comes down to, I think that what we need to really lead people in when someone has passed away is to know that Jesus is with them. That in, in this moment right now, you know, whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you're having, um, whatever grief you're going through, Jesus knows it. That the answer is not always like an answer. We're sometimes looking for, I need to have a specific answer. I want to hear like certain words said so that I can know here's the answer to my question. But Jesus often answers that question by saying, I'm here. Yeah. And he's just, he's near us. He's present to us. He lets us know that he wept at the grave of Lazarus. You know, he, he lets us know that he, um, is, he's, he's suffered on the cross. He lets us know that he's experienced all of that pain and he's just there, like holding on to you. And he's just like, I'm here. Yeah. And that's really the, the, the bigger thing to preach about is how Christ is always there. Um, and to, to just entrust everything to him. And of course, I also use like funerals as a, because of the reality today, they become a sort of a means of evangelization as well. So I will often correct people's misunderstandings about heaven, hell, and purgatory. Um, you know, I kind of, but well, basically I preach on the four last things. (laughs) That's pretty much my, my funeral homilies are, are typically on that subject and trying to, you know, get people uh, a proper sense of what we're all aiming for. And then I turn it towards the people who are there and saying, this is why we need to start preparing now. And we need to mm-hmm. not, you know, we should use this opportunity of the Lord is calling to mind our, uh, I us look at a lot of questions in our life right now that death is before our face, that we can then say, where are we going? And what are we living for? And yeah. what's it all about? What's but I it thought, all mean? but I thought we have a reasonable hope that all men are saved, according to von Balthasar. Is that true? Yeah, hell could be empty. <laughs> <laughs> I think what Father Steve said was more sensible. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> more sound theology. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Literal sound theology. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice um, dad joke. I think we can I have. Like that one. I think we can have Thanks, a reasonable desire for all men to be saved. Yeah, because we know we know God wills that He desires yeah. that all men be saved. Yeah. But so the, we should practical we reality should is... desire and seek for all men to be saved, but we should not assume or presume that it's going to be the case. Yeah. Um, and and especially not those who are not baptized. I mean, I think there's a certain sense in which you know, uh, I I I hold a very strong hope. You know, any time that we have a funeral, because we can only do funerals for people who are baptized, um, I hold a great hope and I pray deeply that Lord, 
you make up for anything this person was lacking because I know my Lord is strong enough and I know that uh, um, many graces can be given that are not apparent to us. And I'm not the one giving the final judgment, so I just always hope in the mercy of God. Um, and that's all you can do. But yeah. to, to, to hope, to have Christian hope, which is about desire for, is not the same as presuming that it is the case. Yeah, it's not presumption. And just saying, yeah. yeah. And you don't, and, and just like you also say, well, we know there's no salvation outside the church. So for people who are not baptized, um, I mean, I mean, we can definitely, we definitely want to pray for them and hope that the, the Lord, um, has brought them to some kind of conversion in the end or something that, you know, whatever we might not see and might not know, but, uh, we don't have that same, we don't have that same kind of hope as we do among the baptized. It's just, uh, yeah. it's kind of like we can, it's more of a pleading. <laughs> yeah, we can kind of apply situations. that reasonable hope always to individuals but not to humanity as a whole i think right because we have the words of christ that tell us that most people are not saved according to his his preaching but if we have an an individual who we're looking at in our lives we can still hold hope for that particular person and pray for them no matter who they are and i think a great example of that is a person like saint Teresa lizio we mentioned her today oh yeah um the fact like with her and um the 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 prisoner i can't remember his name um yeah i mean he was unrepentant yeah he was on death row he was unrepentant a hardened sinner and she just kept praying and praying and praying and praying and he got to the guillotine and right before his death he went and kissed the crucifix you know yeah therese rejoiced over that you know and yeah so i and mean, noticed she said in her mind that was the lord giving her a sign that her prayers had affected and, and reached him yeah yeah and it was something that spoke to her in that kind of a way and that and that's the sort of thing that i think the lord does give us ways of of knowing that he's at work yeah yeah but i think you know um along with uh, obviously the prayers was also her sufferings that she offered up right i think suffering is the uh what was the word that they used uh suffering is the the money for which we pay for souls um we we exchange suffering for souls um so don't ever minimize the idea that your prayers don't ever let your dreams be dreams don't let your dreams be dreams just just do Do it it. (laughs) just yeah suffer for our lord and and for souls i I just wanted to read a quick story so um uh you know we're also coming up to halloween and uh so i thought i'd read a, a catholic ghost story um from our <laughs> from longtime listener uh PO of Pietrocina. Um so he, he's a longtime listener of theology of the buddy. And I've got that on in heaven is. Everybody is, exactly. So uh so Fra Alberto Diapolito uh tells this story about uh 
uh, uh, Padre Pio. I'm scared. Says, okay, while in the friary. <laughs> okay, everybody. He's a ghost. Okay, listen, listen. It was every, a dark every, and stormy night. Turn off all the lights and envision in me with a light a candle. Yeah, envision <laughs> me with a, a flashlight in front of my face. Okay, here we Just go. Just like in the sandlot. Yeah. So while in the friary on a winter afternoon after a heavy snowfall. He, Padre Pio, was sitting by the fireplace one evening in the guest room, absorbed in prayer, when an old man wearing an old-fashioned cloak still worn by southern Italian peasants at the time sat down beside him. Concerning this man, Pio states, I could not imagine how he could have entered the friary at this time of night, since all the doors are locked. I questioned him, Who are you? What do you want? The old man told him, Padre Pio, I am Pietro di Moro, son of Nicola, nicknamed Pricoco. He went on to say, I died in this friary on the 18th of September, 1908, in cell number four, when it was still a poorhouse. One night while in bed, I fell asleep with a lighted cigar, which ignited the mattress, and I died, suffocated and burned. I am still in purgatory. I need a holy mass in order to be freed. God permitted that I come and ask you for help. According to Padre Pio, after listening to him, I replied, Rest assured that tomorrow I will celebrate Mass for your liberation. I arose and accompanied him to the door of the friary so that he could leave. I did not realize at the moment that the door was closed and locked. I opened it and bade him farewell. The moon lit up the square, covered with snow. When I no longer saw him in front of me, I was taken by a sense of fear, and I closed the door, re-entered the guest room, and felt faint. A few days later, Padre Pio also told the story to Padre Paolino, and the two decided to go to the town hall, where they looked at the vital statistics for the year 1908, and found that on September 18th of that year, one Pietro di Moro had in fact died of burns and asphyxiation in room number four at the friary, then used as a home for the homeless. Ooh. <laughs> Father Jesus got his light right. off. And he was there behind them. <laughs> yeah. I was going to tell you that, but you know. <laughs> Father Didn't Steve turned off his light. It, it was, was pretty it, funny. It, it, uh, it really added to the effect. Yeah. So, cool story though, right? So, I yeah. mean, uh, you know, we hear about ghost stories all the time. Please don't go looking for ghosts. A public servant you as, want, service announcement. You want to hear another really cool Padre Pio ghost story? Yeah. Let's do so it. apparently there was one time that because uh, they would leave the halls would typically be dark in the in the monastery, and so uh, they didn't have any lights on or anything. And there was one day uh, a friar walked into this one room where they would have the skull. There was like a couple of candles around it to uh, you know memento mori. And so he came in and he saw, like, went over to, to pray for a moment in front of the skull. And then all of a sudden, the skull started to, like, raise up a little bit. And so he just, like, absolutely flipped out. Well, it turns out Padre Pio was behind the skull, had his hand up inside of it, and he lifted it up. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this brother just bolted. Well, so then Padre Pio, still skull in hand, starts running after him to be like, no, no, it's just me, brother. And all he could see was behind him, this skull floating <laughs> after him. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was how Padre Pio inadvertently, utterly terrified one of his brothers. 
<laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah. This Halloween, Memento Mori. I don't know yeah. when it was. Remember but... your death. Yeah. The, yeah. This, uh, especially in November, um, pray for souls. And, uh, yeah. But, but don't be afraid to tell people to pray for souls either. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the biggest act of charity you can, you can do. And, you know, I've been told that, um, or I read that, you know, the more souls in purgatory that you pray for, the more they come and testify for you, you know, at your mm-hmm. particular judgment and, and pray for you and pray well. for you. Yeah. So, yep. um, yeah. So, so it's good for us all to kind of, work as a family and, and help each other, you know, can I share, uh, just a little, um, easy practice about praying for the souls in purgatory? Yeah. Yes. Um, so, no, you can't. There's a prayer. Um, <laughs> Not listening I, to you. Yeah. seems like let me finish the best way to pray for the souls in purgatory is pray the luminous mysteries (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna let you finish for the luminous mysteries (laughs) one of the top four sets of mysteries (laughs) a little longer than a few minutes later and we're back so mike wants to tell a story Yeah. yeah it's not really a story just um a quick and easy way to pray for the souls in purgatory. One of, I think this is one of the most popular prayers. I'm trying to make it so everybody can be seen. It's fine. He doesn't need to see me. Oh, okay. There you are. Hi. So go ahead, Mike. It's not so much a. <laughs> It's not so much a story as just um, a quick and easy thing you can do to pray for souls in purgatory. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people probably know St. Gertrude's prayer yes. for the souls in purgatory. It's really popular. What um, is that prayer? It. I have it on my phone so I can read it. Um, but one thing I liked about it is how it mentions being in union with all the masses said throughout the world that day. So for that reason, I find it makes a really good prayer to pray at the end of mass and Thanksgiving and Mm -hmm. um, offering the, that mass for souls in purgatory. So I started praying it after every mass and it's super easy, like a way to just always remember to be regularly praying for the souls in purgatory. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll include the the actual prayer in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that too. Cool. Yeah. Okay, that's all. In general, just having a regular time to pray for the souls in purgatory is good, and that's one that I think works pretty well. Yeah, it's a good yeah. prayer. Yeah, sweet. Julie Julie wanted to touch on um, Halloween. Yeah, just briefly. Um, you can I know bring, it's, you can bring all your your Reese's pieces here. Yep, to the Pinnegar House. Pinnegar House, <laughs> and then all your Reese cups to my house. Uh, no, they will come here, and then you will come here, and then you'll eat them here. Yeah, but I want the Reese cups, not the Reese's pieces. That's fine. You can still have the Reese cups. Dude, dude, you live in a like a swanky area. You're gonna get like full on candy bars. 
Yeah. When, when he goes out trick or treating dressed as a priest. Nice dress. Are you a yeah. traditional priest? If I put on my inflatable dinosaur T Rex outfit, no one will no one will know who I am. Dude, that'd be so sick. <laughs> Do it. You could they Do yeah, it. they could very well think you're a kid. We should we should make like a like a collar to go around the neck of the dinosaur. That would be really funny. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> anyway, so, okay. I'm sure you probably, every year you kind of hear this debate about Christian Catholic holidays being pagan in origin. Halloween is not pagan in origin. Um, it's Catholic. It's, well, what yeah. if you dress up as the Pachamama? Well, then you're dressing or, as a pagan or, idol. Or a potted plant. Exactly. Um, but no, Halloween. Yes, Halloween I then it be does become pagan, plant. but not in origin. Not in origin. <laughs> I'm going to dress up as the Pachamama, but I'm not going to have a, a, in, no idolatrous intentions. <laughs> so, Chris, you can, you can dress up as the Pachamama, and I'll dress up as origin. Oh. oh there you go. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> Wow. So you guys want Did to know it, about it, Halloween? Is that this no. is a dark joke? What? That's nuts. Because he's the oh, one that smashed he his nuts. Himself. Oh, oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just making like a Halloween candy reference. No, flew into that. <laughs> okay, so Halloween is basically like that name is just a contraction of All Hallows Eve. Um which is the vigil of All Hallows' Day, which is November 1st. But Eve doesn't end with Eve. No. <laughs> it's an old... Good point, ha- Father Steve. You're right. You've uncovered her error. <laughs> now, Hallow was an old English word for saint. So November 1st, which is All Saints' Day, was also known as All Hallows' Day. Um, oh, hallowed be your name. Oh, oh yes, to be made Halloween holy. Yeah. You know? All holies. Yeah. Exactly. So in the States, we are in Canada, so it's not a holy day of obligation for us. A hallowed day of obligation. Halloween hallowed is not day. a holy yep. day of obligation. <laughs> but in the States, All Saints Day, November 1st, is a holy day of obligation. So Generally if you're in the, the States... Universal Church, isn't it? Like, I don't think much. so. Like in Rome, I thought it was a holy day of obligation too. Most other sure. countries besides it, Canada are pretty consistent. I think we yeah, are the weird yeah. ones. If it's if it's a holy day of obligation for the U.S., it is for the rest of the world. But the the states doesn't have holy days of obligation that the rest of the world doesn't have. Yeah. So get you there. They have I mean, the there normal may be ones. Some countries that weird. don't have it, like yeah. Canada. Yeah. But that it's it's a universal holy day yeah. of obligation. Canada is just weak and unmanly in terms of days oh of yeah we are the land of compromise yeah yeah and anyway compromise so, I mean just laying down our arms and giving up yeah that being said so Halloween oh, well. is a Catholic holiday just don't dress up origin. as a demon yeah like Pacha Mama you are a demon <laughs> no, there's yeah. a reference. Poor Julie, no she's would. never gonna finish saying her one sentence. No, that's hey, okay. Julie, can that's, I talk that's about pretty something much all else and interrupt you? Again? That's the whole point, you know. But do a Google search. You can find this information online yourself. If you if you Google search, it's gonna tell you Samahine or whatever. Yeah, well, it talks about this and this 
like people will confuse it and that's what they'll use as the argument for oh it's this pagan holiday um it's not no definitely not so celebrate it dress up as something fun honor your saints be holy or 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 just fast that day actually just fast if you can fast on the vigil on the vigil of all saints party on the day yeah yeah. yeah, but the Reese cups. But the Reese. Well, go then to trick or treat and get your Reese cups and eat them on All Saints Day. Yeah, the same day. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I guess if it's vigil, does it not like? Yeah, count? it's part of the feast. Whoa! whoa, whoa. So you can eat your candy. What? What? Everybody, <laughs> send Father Steve all the Reese cups. Yes. Reese cups for Father Send Steve. to St. Michael's Parish, 29 Elliott Street, Leamington, Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if suddenly this, like, a, a box... If I got a sudden influx of Reese cups <laughs> and stuff, I would be so freaking happy. Yeah. <laughs> and large. And large. Yeah. 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 And large. You, you have not seen a man eat Reese cups like Father Steve can eat Reese cups. Nope. Yeah. yeah, we'll eat them all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's like a. It's like Pokemon. He's got to eat them all, though. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for you. Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. Thanks, so, Julie. Thanks for that. You're welcome. I, want I just want to make sure people were clear the on that. Very best. <laughs> like no one ever was. <laughs> I want to eat the to eat them is my real test. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Down the mirrors, my cows. <laughs> Amazing. Well, do we have any other closing thoughts, friends? I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, this has been great. Do you Thank you, Father Steve, for, for coming us. on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, you're always welcome. so glad. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll do we'll do it again. This is great. This is a good system. Yeah. Once we figured out how to uh, get the sound going. Yeah. yeah, so it's not going, hey, 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 ha, ha, Yeah, that was meant to be more of a Halloween thing. <laughs> that would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, do you have any other closing thoughts before we... No, you already on? asked that. Definitely oh. don't. Okay, still Good don't night, have Can Father Steve give our listeners a... Uh, Can you give an blessing audible blessing? Or something? I, I'm, I'm not the Pope. So you can't give an audible blessing? No, I mean, I can say it, but it won't be a blessing. I have to be in your presence for it to be a real deal. Or I think missionaries are given that as well. I'm not quite sure. Oh, okay. I know the Pope can give uh, blessings by video and audio and stuff. Okay. uh, Yeah. All right. I think it has to do with his jurisdiction because he has jurisdiction over the whole world. Ah. I have jurisdiction over... Leamington. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad we aren't in Leamington. Ah, well. Maybe we'll do it next episode after you become Pope. Yeah. Yes. Kappa mania. Kappa, kappa, kappa. (laughs) (laughs) I just scared him. (laughs) The ghost stories were nothing. That was truly scary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, don't even go there. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, Pope thanks. Father Chris and Steve, is that what it'd be? Pope, Pope, yeah, <laughs> Pope Father Pope. Chris and Steve. I'm pretty sure it would be Pope Randy, wouldn't it? <laughs> Pope Chris and Pope Randy. Randy no, the it first. would just be Randy. <laughs> <laughs>
Don't call me Pope, just call don't, me Randy. Don't call me Pope. Com- comes out on the Lodge and says, What's up, my dudes? <laughs> this is your boy. Glasses on glasses. on glasses. DJ glasses on glasses. Your boy Randy. <laughs> it's your boy Randy. <laughs> All right, well, everybody, thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Uh, We know it was the worst, but we are so glad that you were here. Hopefully Uh, had fun listening. Stay tratty, friends. Yeah. And uh, next week, I think it's going to be an interview. Oh. Um, So stay tuned for that. Follow us on all social media. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Also, our Be the Casserole initiative is open and we still would love to have for you to join have you join us um so definitely join us on facebook you can look up be the casserole and uh you will find that uh it's again it's an initiative uh, about uh growing in the virtue of charity especially this year yeah so with your neighbors your families your parish community yeah yeah and your worst enemies that's right that would be uh, the people at this table. <laughs> and Sally. And Sally. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Father Steve, and thanks again, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you later. Stay ready. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. What do you think of today's topics? Do you have any suggestions on what we as Catholics can do for souls in purgatory? Message us on Facebook or DM on Instagram at Theology of the Buddy. Find us on Twitter at TradFriends or email us at TheologyOfTheBuddy at gmail.com. You can also send us a voicemail via Facebook Messenger. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Would you also please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes? We'd greatly appreciate it, as it helps us to get noticed within the larger podcast community. Next week, we are joined by a surprise guest. Make sure you're subscribed so you'll know when it comes out. We'll save you a seat at the table. New episodes are released every Wednesday, so until then, stay tratty. <laughs>